in Habakkuk. Today we're thinking about the pursuit of lasting joy. Um, Habakkuk, if you remember, is the prophet who confronted God over the sinfulness of his own people, and God surprises him with his answer, saying that he is going to use a very, um, a very evil nation to bring judgment against his own people. And, and it was not the, the answer that Habakkuk anticipated. He thought that, that God would respond by bringing renewal and, 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 and another opportunity to, to be called back by the prophecy and, and by preaching and teaching from, from the, the Old Testament, from, from the scriptures. But yet God has come to a point to where Israel's rebellion against him has, has brought him to an end. And he is about to bring a very difficult foe against Israel. It is that the hammer is about to be dropped against the sin of Israel. You know, as we think about pursuing joy, which is what the Israelites were ultimately doing, that they were looking for joy in wrong places. Every one of us pursues joy in our lives. The person who is an introvert pursues joy. The person who is an extrovert pursues joy. The person who works too much pursues joy. The person who is lazy pursues joy. We are all seekers of joy. And I think God has created us in that way. He has put that desire in us for us to pursue joy in him. And so that desire to know joy, to experience joy, to have joy in our lives is not wrong. It goes off track when we look for it in wrong places. Even the great King David of the Old Testament, he wrote in Psalm 1611, he says, he says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. David came to understand through his own sinful rebellion against God that there is not lasting joy in any other pleasure other than that of pursuing God. Sin is when we create what we believe will bring lasting joy only to find that it will fall short. Or it's when we take something that God has created so that we would participate that that we would be a steward of that thing to come back to him and we instead make it the end instead of a means to the end which is relationship with him we take a substance we take a person we take a relationship we take money we, we take achievement and we make that the end rather than honoring God with those things and, and lifting him up through them, finding joy in him as he has given us the gift. We make the gift what brings us lasting joy instead of the giver of the gift. And so if you would follow along with me in Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to be walking through this text because what, what God is trying to help Habakkuk see, what he would want the Chaldeans, the people he's speaking about to see, what he would want his own people to see is that sin, sin may offer joy, but it ultimately delivers grief. It brings us to an end that is not lasting. It is not fulfilling. Sin tells us that it will bring us joy, but instead it delivers grief to us. And so 
So follow along with me in this text as we take sort of paragraph after paragraph looking through it. The first thing that that God does here as he speaks to Habakkuk is he, he begins to speak about the heart of the person. And you see there in Habakkuk 2, 6 through 8, he says, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges, that, that is debts. Will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those who awake, those awake who will make you tremble, then you will be spoiled for them. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. And so the first thing that we see in this text is is that sinful greed imprisons the debtor. Sinful greed imprisons the debtor. The problem with greed, and greed is not just money. Greed is longing for affirmation sometimes. Greed is, is wanting something that you see someone else possessing and you want it. You, you either want to take it from them or you want to figure out how to go get your own so that you can sort of one-up them. It's in our hearts. It's, it's, a, it's an envy. It's a jealousy. And the problem with greed is that for greed, there is never enough. We never come to the point of being satisfied. We're greedy for approval. And you said you were proud of me, but you didn't say how proud of me you were. Right? You, 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 you gave me a compliment, but you gave her two compliments. We never come to that point of satisfaction. I have three, but you gave him four. Mine's big, but hers is bigger. I'm thinking about ice cream right there. Right? It's that, it's that, that greed in our hearts that, that I, I want more. And if I have to take it from you, then I'll do it. The problem with that is it never delivers the satisfaction that it is advertising, that it is telling us it will bring to us. And here in this text, sin imprisons. It it holds you in bondage because instead of being able to be grateful for what you have, you are left to want and want and compare and contrast and desire for more and someone else's and you're held in this prison. And the second thing, not, not only in the heart but then in the way we act, it, it brings to us isolation. Sinful gain leads to isolation. Look here in this text in Habakkuk 2, 9 through 11. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high. To be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Imagine if you had worked for many years with one goal in mind and that goal was to build this 
specific house and you wanted it in this specific location and you had put all of your energy, all of your time, all that that you had, you had put into that project and you had finally completed that project and the house was built right at the place where you wanted it to be built and now you wanted to throw a big party and you wanted to invite lots of people over and you were pitching it as come and help us celebrate this brand new house that we have. But really in your heart, what you were wanting was them to come and see what you have accomplished and what you have. And so you throw the party and you say, be here Friday night at seven o'clock. And Friday night at seven o'clock, you're ready. You're dressed, the house is Beautiful, every light is on. It's sitting up where others can see it. And it's 7.05, nobody's there. And it's 7.10, nobody's there. And it's 7.30, nobody's there. No one has come. Because to accomplish this great desire of your heart, you have manipulated and you have cheated and you have stolen and you have stabbed in the back and you have burned the bridges and you have cut yourself off to where now you may have accomplished what you set out to accomplish but it has cost you every relationship that you thought you had. You see, not not only does this sinful greed imprison us. It becomes all that we can focus on, all that we can think about. And it doesn't last because it continues to stir up. But then when we act on that greed, when it becomes actual gain, and we begin to receive what we've been pursuing, and we begin to put it into our pocket, what we learn here is that it isolates us. It cuts us off from others. Lonely people are not joyful people because we have been created for relationship. And maybe you're someone who just needs one or two friends or maybe you need to be the life of the party and to have the house full of people. Either way, we have been created for relationship because God is a relational God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has created us to share in His love and His joy and His beauty in all of this creation. He has created us for family. He's created us for a church family. He's created us for community here as we live across this city and this county. Being cut off because of our greed does not lead us to joy. It leads us to sorrow. It leads us to isolation. When it begins to come out of our hearts and and be acted on out 
into the world around us, then it's not long before it becomes contagious and it begins to spread to others and more and more and more people become greedy and they become selfish and they become self-centered and we begin to see it in society around us. And, and Habakkuk makes that point here of the Chaldeans that, that you can see it working in the midst of the people. Look here in this text. He says in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as he waters, as the waters cover the sea. God desires that communities... That nations be built to help people, to preserve people, to protect people, to build people up. And when you get a group of people who are selfish, who look only at their own self-interest, and they, they put into leadership someone or the most powerful one who is selfish rises to that leadership that person doesn't change when they get into that leadership role and all of a sudden begin to care for all the citizens. That person remains selfish and begins to see those people as his subjects to accomplish his purposes, which leads to destruction. It leads to despair. It leads to the inability to be satisfied and it does not lead to human flourishing. It leads to death, leads to decay, leads to harming others. I wish we could stop thinking like Democrats and Republicans, and we could start thinking as people that God has put in this world to pursue the human flourishing that God desires. And so if we have a problem with race, we'll deal with it. If we have a problem with the economy, we'll deal with it. If we have a problem with safety and security and crime, we'll deal with it. Not fight over it to get our way and to force our agenda. Because this text from thousands of years ago tells us that it leads to poverty. It leads to fire. Jeremiah was a contemporary of Habakkuk. In Jeremiah 51 verse um, 58, it says here, the way Jeremiah uses that phrase, Habakkuk talks about that, that it only results in merely fire. People labor merely for fire. Jeremiah uses similar language in 5158 of his prophecy. He says their gates will be burned. When the gates are burned, the city is not secure. The people inside will not be protected. Greed in the hearts of the people. It affects workplaces. It affects families and homes. It affects neighborhoods. It affects communities. And before long it spreads out and it affects the whole nation. And God said you will not find 
lasting joy because sinful government results in poverty. And poverty is not just about not having money. You can be relationally poor, that you have no friends, that you are cut off, that you are lonely, that you don't trust anyone, that we only are here to use each other, to manipulate each other, to to try to get from each other rather than trying to help each other and befriend and show kindness. And this is all rooted in sinfulness and selfishness. And then it begins to break down into the personal level where Habakkuk says here in verses 15 through 17, woe to him, God speaking, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. What makes God the angriest is when people begin to use people for their own sinful pleasure. And I, I, I just, to, just to use a word that, that we don't use very often, I use the word gluttony. Sinful gluttony leads to shame. Gluttony is when, when you take more than, than you need. And there may be a time that, that we joke and we cut up and we in, enjoy a good laugh with one another. But then there are times when we make jokes and we do things just to embarrass other people, just to hurt other people. And here in this text, what what God is saying is that I see in these people that they encourage their friends to get drunk so that they'll do things that will embarrass them. And so your motivation is not to share in a social gathering It's not friendship, it's to shame and harass and to embarrass other people. Maybe you don't use drink, maybe you've used words, maybe you've used gossip, maybe you've used other actions, thinking that it would bring joy to you by elevating yourself over others. Here in this text, first we learn that it ultimately brings shame to you. But friend, be warned, it also brings the wrath of God against you. Because God loves people. He loves people more than he loves the creation. And when you seek to harm people, you move the heart of God to anger and to wrath. And here he says he is going to act. And so maybe you wonder, what what do I do? What do I do? Well, here in this text, we find the answer. And in verses 18 through 20, God says to the people, take account. In verse 18, he says, what prophet is an idol? When its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, 
For its maker trusts in its own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. God says, realize the emptiness. And so I grew up playing video games before you could connect over the internet and play with people that you knew or just random people all over the world. If, if my brother wasn't there to play the game with me, I played it against the computer. And when the 49ers would beat the Packers, and I was the 49ers and the computer was the Packers, and I had beaten the computer, it seemed kind of senseless to me. Because it seems kind of dumb to stand up to the computer and say, in your face. (laughs) There was nobody else to celebrate with. In fact, it left me often thinking, Have I just wasted 45 minutes? Have I just wasted an hour? What else could I have been doing other than beating the computer? Because the computer doesn't care. The computer didn't say, whoo, you got me there. You're so good. But yet, We do the same with a stack of money in our hand. And we do the same by moving forward in our home or our vehicle or our career. And that doesn't mean moving forward in those things is always wrong. Don't don't hear me say that. But, But when you have invested your focus and your time and your energy there because you think it will bring you ultimate lasting satisfaction... think you'll find that it falls short and it doesn't bring the satisfaction you desire and so here in this text the Lord says in verse 20 of chapter 2 but the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silence before him there God is giving you the answer if you want to pursue lasting joy Know that God is seeing you, that he knows you, that he has made you for his glory, for relationship with him. And so run from sinful substitutes. Turn to the Lord. Don't put your hope in these idols, in these possessions, in these things that that you say to your fancy house, tell me how great I am. You say to your sporty car, tell me how wonderful I am. You say to your nice clothes, tell me how good I look. And they cannot answer back. But you say to the God who made you, Lord, I have put 
substitutes in your place. And it has not led me to the satisfaction. Lord, I I am unworthy to come into your presence. And he says to you, I know. But I made you. And I love you. And I have sent my son to come to create a way for you to be forgiven because you are valuable. You are worth something to me. I have stamped my image on you. On you. If you are a you, I'm talking to you. God is talking to you, not to that person sitting next to you, not to the person that you think is so much better than you, not to the person who thinks that you think has it all together. He's speaking to you. He has made you in his own image and you are worth something to him. You are worth Jesus to him who would come so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And you could know lasting joy in him. Today, stop pursuing those things that don't lead you to satisfaction, that don't lead you to joy. And today, run to him. In just a moment, I'll pray. And then we're going to sing. And at the end of our time, I'll be out in this lobby here. We'll have a pastor and some some deacons over in in a room that's just on the other side of those doors, a little prayer room there. If you're joining us by live stream, we have a number just for you. If, If we could be a help to you, reach out to us by text. Text the word Jesus to that number, 270-279-1031, and we will respond back. Pursue what lasts. Pursue Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. God, for your kindness and your mercy. Lord, that you are a forgiving God. And that even as we read about judgment that you brought against one people, Lord, you use it to call another people to repentance. Father, in this season when there is uncertainty and unknown and fear and anxiety, and Father, when when so many of us have been left to question what really matters most, Lord, would you use this at a time to enter into our hearts through your word, through your church, through your spirit, to call us back, to focus on what matters most, that we would be renewed and that we would be restored to a relationship with you through Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.